Philippians chapter 2, we looked last uh, time about the uh, verse 5, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And um, we talked about attitude, and I've been thinking about that, and some people have been kidding me about that attitude thing, you know, but really it's the direction and the orientation of our, our life, our aircraft is our attitude. And it's really relative, like an airplane, it's relative to a reference line or a plane, which for a plane is the horizon, but for us is the reference line, the reference point is Jesus. And so our attitude, we're either like keeping right our eyes fixed right on him like we're supposed to be, or we're way off somewhere else, and, and we need to get that attitude right, the attitude that's focused directly on him. And we do have, thank God, we have an attitude indicator, and it's God's spirit within us, and we got to keep our eyes fixed on him. We, we looked at his example. We looked at who he is. Of course, this passage speaks about the deity of Jesus Christ, that he is in very nature God, that he is God the Son, but also that he gave us this incredible example that he emptied himself. He set aside his rights, his glory, and he took the nature of a servant. He humbled himself, and he became obedient to death, and even on a cross, it says. And so God exalted him, it says, and lifted him up when he humbled himself. And that's an example for you and I. We see also that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth in verse 10 and 11. Every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And all we know that, that all will acknowledge him. All will acknowledge him. But the way that, that God has ordained it to be is that we need to acknowledge him now before we die. And that gives us a chance to go to heaven. It says, to any who believed in him, to any who received his name, to receive him, become, I better shout it over, to as many as believed in him, who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. And for you and I, that chance, that opportunity is now. Not, we can't do it after we die. We can't make that choice after we die. We make the choice before we die, you see. It's too late then. And some people say, well, I'll wait till just before I die. Kind of risky if you ask me when it talks about eternal, uh, you know, what our eternal you know, destiny is going to entail. Too late then. Today I want to look at uh, the next few verses there in uh, Philippians chapter 2, and it's really about working out. How many of you have a, a, a membership at Workout World? <laughs> or some other workout foundation, institution? But this Workout World, Workout situation, and you know, we, we kind of have this thing in us sometimes. We've got this desire, we want to be in shape, we want to be healthy, so we get a membership at the workout world or at some other kind of place, and, and, and uh, we get down there, and, and then we've got to work hard, right? We've got to do the things. We've got, to, we've got to go through the machines. I don't have a membership at any one of those places. You know, I have a treadmill, and that's about all I have, and, and, and I know how to turn the thing on, and so I know what I need to do, but I, I, and I want to do it, but I don't always do Right? I, I think about it, and I see it sitting over there, and I think, oh, yeah, that'd be good. <laughs> you know? 
I'll be start looking buff and, you know, I'm going to really be, you know, if I do what I need to do. And you think about it, but you don't always do what you need to do, right? Because it takes some dedication, it takes some commitment, it takes some work, it takes, uh, you know, sometimes a little kick to, like, get something going. But, but, but uh, that's just human nature. That's the, you know, we, our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak in terms of the spiritual side of things anyways. But we're going to look at, at, at verses here in, in Philippians chapter 2. It's entry. You'll see what I'm, where I'm going with this in a second. Let's look at verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. Work out your salvation. You say, oh boy, we don't want to go there and talk about that. That's what he talks about here after he gives us the example of Jesus. But notice he says there in the first part of that verse, he says, my dear friends, and he had this relationship with them, and, and I hope I can say that to you as well, that you are my dear friends, and I care about you, and, and it's a mutual thing that we're here in this together. And so sometimes people go to the gym and they work out because they have a, a kind of a partner, right? A, accountability partner of some kind and like, hey, let's meet there. Let's run together. Let's do this. Uh, you know, have you been, um, you know, doing what you need to do, you, you know, kind of thing where we kind of challenge each other and encourage each other. And I think that's kind of what we're saying, seeing here. And Paul says, you know, my dear friends, there's this love that he had for them. He says, but, you know, not only when I'm there with you, but also when I'm not there with you, continue to work out your salvation. In other words, not only when he's there, but when, but when he's not there. Not only when someone's watching, but when, when no one's watching, are you still doing what you need to do? Are we doing it for the glory of God to, to work out our salvation? Paul said in Galatians chapter 4, it's fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, and not just when I'm with you. So we get together on Sundays and, and maybe, um, you know, on a, a different night of the week in different groups we get together in different times and, and we kind of can give each other some encouragement, but we need to carry that through even when we're not together, even when there's not someone around. I've, you know, I've read quotes about that, you know, that, that what we're like is what we're like when no one else is around, what no, when no one else is watching us. We need each other, but we also need to know that, that even when someone's not there watching. But he says here now to continue to work out your salvation. Don't stop halfway. When I'm on that treadmill sometimes, you know what, I, I try to go at least 30 to 40 minutes. And in about 10 minutes, I'm going like, I, I'm, I'm bored with this already. i got to get off. It's enough. Isn't it enough? It's not enough. But I feel like it is because I'm just tired. I just want to go do something else. But he says to continue, and you and I need to continue. We're not there yet. We've talked about that before. We're not home yet. We're going to be home one day, right? Our home is where? In heaven. We're going to be there one day, but until we get there, we need to keep doing what we do. Now, now the, one of the big questions about this passage is, that, is this, does this talk about working out our salvation? Is this a system of works? Is this a system of works where, whereby we, we, you know, if we do all the right things, we will be assured a place in heaven? 
That our salvation is secure based on what we do. Is that what he's saying here? No, definitely not. It doesn't say work for your salvation. He says work out your salvation. And, and one of the biggest and, and the most prevalent, uh, you know, uh, and I, I talked about it last time about cults, that one of the things that, that makes up that is a system of works. And, you know, I, I still remember the quote by Muhammad Ali when he says, you know, that, you know, it, it, this is the way it works. If my good works outweigh my bad works, then I will make it to heaven. He's a Muslim. And, and that's kind of the way it is, that if I, if, when I get to that day, if my good works outweigh my bad works, oh, man, that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? That's not what salvation is based upon in any way, shape, or form. Where our, our salvation is based by, you know, we're saved by grace through faith and not of works so that, you know, any man will boast. We're saved by grace through faith. So we need to understand that. But, but now he's saying here, okay, don't, you're not working for your salvation, but you're working out your salvation. In other words, what you have inside needs to work its way out. It has to. If it's there, if it's there inside of us, it's got to work its way out. Or maybe we can become secret agent Christians. And no one knows. It never comes out in any way, shape, or form. And people say, well, and maybe, you know, maybe we need to ask ourselves, if nothing is coming out, well, is there anything there, right? Is there any salvation there? Because if it's there, it's got to work its way. It's got to leak out or something. But he's saying something much more robust than that. It needs to work out. We need to work it out. One man said, "Live, live it out. Live it out by lives of practical holiness. Live it out. We need to live it out. Uh, John Corson said it's like going to the YMCA. It means you exercise and you strengthen it. When we, when we work out our salvation, we're exercising, we're, we're strengthening, and, and we're, we're doing things. We're going to talk about, in, in the last part of this passage, some, some of the practical application of that, some of the examples of that. But he says that we should do it with fear and trembling. In other words, that we need to be serious. It's important. It's God we serve and the salvation that God has given to us. But notice in verse 13, we read it there. He says, and, and it, it, again, it gets back to this idea, is it just our works? No. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It's God working in us. We saw that back in chapter 1. Look back in verse 6, chapter 1. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you. Where? In you. Who? He, God, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And here it says this as well. It is God who works where? In you. God who's working in you. If you are born again by the Spirit of God, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, God is at work within you. He's doing something in you. It's not He's working over there and we're over here. He's working inside of us. That's divine power. And you say, well, I can't do it. I can't do any of it. No, you can because God is working in you and me. 
He's doing a beautiful thing. It's divine power within us. Notice the two areas that he mentions here in this verse. What? To will and to act. To will and to act according to his good purpose. To will and to act according to his good purpose. To will means what? What's he talking about there? What we want to do. He actually works in the area of things that we want to do. In the, in the, in the area of our wills, what, what it is that God would, would, how he would work in our wills. Sometimes, you know, I know this changes over time. The longer we walk with Jesus, hopefully we don't want those same things we used to want. And he, and he purges those things. He cleanses us and he's working in us. And, and sometimes it takes a long time, but, but he can do it. He can do it. He works in the area of our will which may be the hardest area, and, you know, because we're stubborn and we do fight against him. But then he also works in the area of our actions as well, to act according to his good purpose. I want you to turn quickly with me to, to Hebrews chapter 13, which is had about, I don't know, seven or eight books or something. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. I want you to be encouraged that God's working in you today. That you're not on your own. He hasn't, he, it's not, you know, that I've got to pull myself up from the, by the bootstraps. It's not that I've got to make myself better. God is the one who's working in you to do, to will and to act according to his good pleasure. Look at verse 20, Hebrews chapter 13. May the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will, and may he work where? In us. What is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. He'll equip us with everything good for doing his will. He doesn't ask us to do something. He doesn't equip us to do. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And that's why he receives all the glory, because he's the one doing it. If it was us, then maybe we could take a little bit of credit, but we're, that, that's really, that really, there's no room for that, because God is doing his work in us. Back to Philippians chapter 2. We want to look at some examples of, as one man put it, the outworking of God's inworking. Think about that for a second. The outworking of God's inworking. God's working in us, and it, it affects what comes out, what works out of our lives. Look at verse 14. Some of you might want to just stop here. Do everything without complaining or arguing. That's outworking. That's a practical example of outworking. Why do we complain? Why do we complain? We're not happy. I'm not happy. Why else? It's not going the way I want it to go. Want to change the outcome? Some of you are complaining right now. You know, it's too hot in here. It's too cold in here. He, you know. 
His head is too shiny. I can't look at him. I mean, you complain and find anything and everything you can to complain about. Complain, complain, complain. And, and, and part of it is our sinful nature, you know. We just like to complain. You know, we get, we get you know, dinners on the table and we, 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 we find the one thing. Everything else is perfect, but the one thing that, you know, that toast is like, the butter is not all the way on there. You know, we're going to complain. But he says the outworking, one of the things here is, the, is of, of, of working out our salvation, that it works out in practical ways. It, the outworking of our salvation isn't just the fact that we're, you know, we've got a big halo on our heads. But it comes out in practical ways that we're not just complaining, complaining, complaining people. We're not always discontented with the things around us. Someone said complaining is the translation of a word which reflects a bad attitude expressed in grumbling. Back to that attitude thing. Another word uh, that some versions translated is, is murmuring. Murmuring. And that's just a... I can't really pronounce the word that that is like a onomatopoeia. Onomatopoeia, there you go, thank you. Where these words just repeat, it's like phrases and parts of words repeat, and, and they kind of sound like what is in murmurs, murmur, murmur, murmur. And it's this low, someone said, a low, threatening, discontented muttering that comes out. Is that kind of what's coming out of our lives? Because is, is, that, is that the work of God in our lives where we're complaining and murmuring and muttering and, and all this stuff? I don't think so. We were, my wife and I were, uh, uh, we were waiting for some folks uh, the other night and we, we had an appointment and, uh, you know, like I go to bed at like 8 o'clock, you know, like, because I'm up all night, you know. Well, not quite 8 o'clock, but early. And so they, they wanted to come in and have this appointment. And the only time they could actually make it was like 8.30. And we're going, okay. But then it's starting to be 9 o'clock and 9.15. We're going like, and I, and I told her, I said, we have got to be careful. Our attitude, our attitude is like, we're, 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 are we having a bad attitude here right now? And I just talked on Sunday about, you know, because... When I talk about it here, then that means I got to go home and face it. You know, I face it before while I'm studying, thinking about it. I face it when I'm here, and then when I go home, it's actually worse because I got to think about what did I say. I can't have a bad attitude because I I talked about how God doesn't want us to have a bad attitude. And so when I go home from here today, you know, I'm going to be tempted to complain about everything. And and I have to I have to say, whoa. I like to say that word. Whoa. Complain, complain, complain. That's not, the, that's not the life of God coming out of me. Isaiah 40 said, Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord. We complain that God isn't listening to us, that God isn't watching us. Lamentations. Why should any living man complain when he is punished for his sins? Let us examine our ways and test them. Let us return to the Lord. Numbers 11, now the people complained about their hardships because they didn't have meat. 
or they didn't have filet mignon or they didn't have everything they wanted, they began to complain. Like I said, we could just start, we could just stop there and just say, okay, God help us not to complain anymore, but let's look at a few of these other examples quickly. And the second one there is arguing. Maybe it is that we're just argumentative. We like to argue. We like to argue, but why do we argue about everything? Why, why are we like that? Some of you don't want to say anything because you're going to start arguing with me. I know. <laughs> that would really be exciting. Almost uh, at the wedding yesterday, I've, ne- I've never seen this happen before, but I almost opened it up to the floor to, to, to have people pitch in from the crowd. Just, I don't know why I did that. I, I don't know if that would have worked or not. I've never seen that before. Somebody might have started arguing with me or complaining. And then what was I going to do? Why? Because that's who we are. That's people. That's us. Some of us just like to argue. You know, we just, we find ourselves, you know, just, we get into this thing. And, but that's not the life of God coming out of us. That's not working out our salvation, arguing. Sometimes we just say, okay, hey, that's cool. You, you see it that way. It's cool. May not be the right way. And, and some people have to have the last word. Barbara left the room so I could say that, you know. Some people, I got to have the last word and, and this argumentative kind of thing. God doesn't want us to be argumentative people, complaining, argumentative people. Look at verse 15, another example. So that you may become blameless and pure. Not perfectant. Not perfection, not perfect people, but, but there's a degree of purity that it affects the way we live, that we live for Him, that we follow His word and His will, this outworking of our salvation. Children of God, he says, without fault, in a crooked and a depraved generation. There's something different about us. And, and, and I think that is one of the things, that the outworking of our salvation, is that there's something different about us. We're not the same as everybody else, doing what everybody else does. Now, you know, I can't give you any specifics for your life, what that means, how you need to be different, but, but I think God is faithful to show us. Again, we have that attitude indicator. We have the Spirit of God within us to show us and to direct us. Well, you, this is really not something you should be doing. I remember, you know, working in a factory and, you know, they're sitting around in, a, in the lunchroom table and the guys, you know, and, and, and after about five minutes, the discussion would deteriorate and, you know, start to get rude and, and you know, and, and they knew. They knew, I would, you know, because I just, I finally had to say, you know what, I just got to get up and walk away. I said, you know, hey, good having lunch with you guys, but I got to go. And, and they'd start talking that way and they'd just look over at me to see that I was going to get up and leave. And they just knew. And sometimes, and I'm not, you know, I'm just, that's just an example in my own life. But, but for you, whatever it is, you know, to, people would see that you, you would be different. That's God's salvation working itself out in our lives. That we're just not the same. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. He goes on to say, in which you shine, this crooked and depraved generation, and in which you shine like stars in the universe. You know, it, talk about a, a crooked, depraved, warped, twisted world. You don't, you don't have to look very far. Just what goes on in our world. It's, it, it's bad. It's not good. 
But he says that, that, we would, that we would shine like stars. There would be some light coming out of our lives. Jesus said it, didn't he, that you are the light of the world. And he said, let your light shine before men. Verse 16, he says, as you hold out the word of life. As you hold out the word of life. That, that we're holding out some truth. We're giving out some truth. The word of life. The word of Jesus Christ. That's salvation being worked out. He says, in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or, or labor for nothing. In other words, that, that there would be some fruit from his efforts in their lives that it would be seen, which would make it all worth, worth it for him. Verse 17, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and the service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice with all of you, so you too should be glad and rejoice with me. This drink offering would be something that would accompany the sacrifices in the Old Testament. And he says, even if I'm, I'm being poured out like a drink offering, it's worth it, it's okay. If, if this is what's going on, if, if God's life is coming out of your life. He said, so you too should be glad and have joy and rejoice with me. Mutual joy through the outworking of their faith, no matter what the cost would be. In that verse, we also see sacrifice and service. That's another form of, of working out our salvation, that there's a, there's a time when we have to sacrifice and when we, when we need to serve. Quite a few things there, isn't there? That's, that's just a partial list, right, of God's working out in our lives. And again, let's not just get focused on ourselves and what I need to do. But we need to ask God, what is it that you're doing in my life? How are you working in my life? And, and how, does that, how, do you want to, how do you want that to be expressed in my life where things would actually be worked out in my life, the salvation of God in my life? We're all different. We're not all at the same place. For some of you, it might be complaining. For others of us, it might be this idea of serving. For others, it might be the purity of God. Or maybe it's the idea of, of holding out the word of life that, that God has been you know, challenging us to share, share the truth about Jesus with somebody and we're, we're like holding that back. Well, let it out. Live it out. Hold forth the word of life. Hold out the word of life. Again, it's not to be saved, right? We don't do these things to be saved, right? Right? Okay. We do it because we are saved, exactly. No complaining or arguing, purity, to be different. Shine in the darkness. Hold out the word of life. Sacrifice and service because we are saved. Because God is working in us to will and to act according to his good purpose. I thought about this. Does God complain or argue? I don't think so. Is God pure? Is God different? God is light. We know that. God gives his word. God gave his son a sacrifice for our sins. 
and Jesus came to serve. So, so again, these, these are of the, the very nature of God within us that God wants to work out in our lives. You think about that. Hear a guy say that on the radio. You think about that. And he says, Amen.